This hot, this the spot, there it is, pod.com. We're interviewing the best comedians, so tune in quick and get your ears receiving them. We're talking about life and life to stream right to you from the microphone right to your home, dude. Side note, this might get embarrassing, but no, don't sweat, yo, because there it is. Welcome to the There It Is Podcast, a comedy podcast for creators of any variety. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Thanks so much for being here, especially if you are a first-time listener. Plenty of other episodes you can check out. They are all on iTunes and SoundCloud. You can also read up on us on thereitispod.com. Something I want to mention right up top here. A college professor of mine, Professor Haney Howell, passed away on Monday, and he was one of my all-time favorite teachers, not just in college, just in general. I learned a great deal from him, things I still implement today, things I use every week in creating this podcast. So he had a big impact on me. His passing is having a big impact on my college community, and it shows just how significant of a role our teachers play in our lives. So if you have an opportunity to teach anyone, take great consideration in how thoughtful you can be and the responsibility you have. The bad teachers I had had a big impact on me too, but not for any good reason. If you're in a position to teach, just make the choice to be a positive influence. Professor Howell is truly missed. Today's episode is coming in late. I know, it's just a crazy week. I shot a commercial on Tuesday, so that was some good news. It's uh, maybe something you'll get to see because it's actually a national ad. I've gotten to do some other shoots up here, but this one is a national uh, ad, so it's going to have a year run. So, fingers crossed you get to check that out. And also speaking of today's episode, it's a unique one. It's uh, not only because I'm joined by my brother, but it's also kind of a test run of an idea we have for content involving entertainment news. So today we're trying that out. Just a little note, though, I feel like I was having an off day, and I think you can hear it. <laughs> Unexpected work is being done in my in my apartment where I record, and I d I'm also back uh, deep into the job search, which can put your head in just like a weird place. And I, I just think it affected my energy. I feel like I was a little off. Maybe I wasn't. Maybe it's just me. Still, though, I think it's a fun episode. This concept we're trying, if we do it again, will mutate into something else. But who knows? This is a, a fun little run we got here. It's just us talking pop culture, talking all that pop. So here it is. My chat with my brother. Well, I'm here with my brother, Trey. Also uh, to the world known as Joe Farr III. Uh, but <laughs> the family calls him Trey. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So Trey and I, our whole life, have just been nerds about entertainment stuff. Uh, so <laughs> we're going to talk about that in this unique episode. And... Uh, Trey's background, or Joe's background, uh, for those of you listening who know him, is that I worked at ESPN, you, uh, you worked at um, the uh, uh, Tennis Channel briefly, but um, you also have been working in your own thing, you've been you know, putting, putting other things together, uh, and it's more in the media and entertainment world that you have focused the majority of your career on, Right. That's fair yep. to say. Yep. Uh, That's so, fair to say. Yeah. 
So that's why I feel like, uh, I mean, we talk about this stuff all the time. We were also part of uh, a, a team that went down to uh, Florida for the World Series of Pop Culture for VH1, <laughs> and we got beat, but, you know, we went in Smackdown on Smackdown before even on the air. True. Didn't even get on the air. True. I, I don't know if people are familiar with the World Series of Pop Culture. Maybe I should reference that, but it's just basically teams going down and com- answering questions, quiz show type questions for about pop culture. And uh, but you go up one at a time with this. So if one of your teammates loses and they're out and your team is still in, but they're only two left. And then if another one loses, and it's just one left. Uh, but a lot of those like quiz show things that at least when it's in school, it's like the team, like, you know, they all lean over and they say like they, they deliberate and if I contend that if we could have deliberated, we would have won because Rob knew all of the questions. Uh, he knew he, he knew the things that we got wrong, and he knew the things the other team got wrong. So if only, but we didn't have that opportunity. Uh, this is all just to say uh, we're nerds about entertainment, and that's why we're talking about it. Mm-hmm. That's the justification. <laughs> so let's start with the Grammys. It's, the, it's uh, just after the Grammys here. And um, let's talk about the moments first. So Michelle Obama was there. Um, f- former First Lady Michelle Obama was there. We were a very nice non-performance uh, opening, essentially, which was, I thought, really nice. Uh, it was her and Jennifer Lopez and, of course, the hosts Alicia Keys and Lady Gaga and Jada Pinkett-Smith all uh, speaking, and it, I liked that moment. And then, uh, but the, for the performance opening, it was Camila Cabello along with Ricky Martin and some others uh, who uh, performed. Also, some other moments that people talked about um, and has been making the rounds in the news. Dolly Parton getting a much deserved tribute, uh, her being a national treasure. It's really great that she's still like thriving. I think that's uh, fun and exciting. But let's talk about winners here. Um, Childish Gambino, a.k.a. Donald Glover, won for Best Record and Song and Video of the Year for This Is America. Very well-deserved. I think the song is great, and the video is really fantastic. If they could give Oscars or Emmys for music videos, then I think that should win. I think it's just that good. Um, I... Uh, you know, the Grammys get stuff wrong a lot and every year, but this isn't one of those times. So it was nice to see the see that he got really what was deserved there. Um, but what is... Though, though he wasn't there to actually accept it. No, he wasn't. Yeah, that was, uh, that was the downside. He kept winning and then they kept just having to say like... I mean, at least for the video, the director who works on his show Atlanta was there, but... Um, you know, he wasn't there, um, which is good because he's got a blonde beard now and it doesn't look good. The yeah, At least he was in that commercial dancing against his animated self. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the other thing, I'm also wondering, what is the difference between song and record of the year? I've never really known. I know that in one of those, it's like the writer right, or writers and producer... Whereas with the other, it's I think it's just like the singer and the maybe the producer. I don't know, but it's just weird. 
that they're both because it's yeah, basically the same thing. Yeah, I'm not sure they ever actually delineated that, <laughs> at least not in recent years. Right. I um, I, it's just kind of a weird thing. It's even weirder than when like in the Oscars, there's a different best director than best picture. You know, it was like, this is the best movie, but it wasn't directed the best. Like, that's kind of weird. It's even weirder when it's like, this is the best song of the year, but it's not the best record of the year. Like, when that doesn't match up, then that's kind of strange. But nevertheless, you know, that's one of the more boring sides of uh, the Grammys. And the Grammys, I feel like people kind of see it as the boring thing. They just, they just care about the performances, and sometimes that can be lackluster. But last night... Um, we'll get to some more performance stuff last night, but um, also big winners, um, uh, Casey Musgrave, who's great, got Album of the Year. Cardi B won, and she was, I, I believe, the first solo female rapper to win a Grammy for a Rap Album of the Year. So that was cool. Um, Which is surprising, too, that it's this late that that happened. Yeah, because... How did Lauren Hill, I mean, I guess Miseducation of Lauren Hill was not, maybe it didn't fall in the rap album category? Uh, that one was probably R&B, but I'm uh, thinking like Queen Latifah right. or uh, Nicki Minaj or, you yeah. know, you can keep naming them. Yeah, yeah, I mean, um, of course in the 90s you had Foxy Brown and Lil' Kim, Lil, you know, has Lil' Kim not one but there's a lot of like good comp competition and that also brings us a, a part of that that I'll uh, mention in a second I'll mention here with Greta Van Fleet winning for rock album of the year now <laughs> this may be something that made a lot of people roll their eyes about the Grammys because they are a big band but Pitchfork recently had that famous famously scathing review of their album and uh, just really ripped them a new one. Basically, he, they flat out called them a costume because the, everything just seems sort of cribbing from Led Zeppelin or, or something. Like in every way, the look, the sound, even the lyrics. Um, it seems like all just done for the sake of evoking a certain feel. Um and uh, that seems to be the... I, when I hear people talk about Greta Van Fleet, it's not really positive. You know, like, there's. I've heard a couple people say, like, hey, they're making kids want to play guitar again. At least that's going on. But no one's really saying anything. I'm not hearing a bunch of positive comments about them as a band. And so them winning best rock album i don't i didn't really pay attention to rock albums this year so i don't know what else was nominated and that's what goes back to like maybe why lil kim didn't win for best rap album was because there was a hot jay-z record that year i don't know but um we can only talk about like who we can only talk about nominees and winners and losers uh, within the scope of what else came out that year. And because I don't really know the other rock albums this year, I don't know if this was ridiculous for them to win. I will say, though, remember when they were on SNL, mm -hmm. I said to you, why are they doing an impersonation? No, <laughs> like, listen. It didn't sound like that's the actual voice 
of any of the people up there. No, you're right. And I had the same feeling when I saw them on the to- the Tonight Show. That was the first time I heard of them. And I just thought, is this a band that started out as... And I, I wasn't making a joke. I said, is this a band that started out as a Led Zeppelin tribute band? Because that's just how they come across. And then they act oblivious to that. And it's like, how do you... How are you pretend? How do you? How can you dress like that, and try to act like you didn't know that you have some sort of Led Zeppelin vibe going? You know, um, I don't. You know, I don't think the rhythm section is the same as Led Zeppelin. That that's not. Uh, that doesn't really sound the same to me. But you know, the vocals do clearly. Um, even mm-hmm. some of the stage mannerisms. Mm-hmm. With shades of. <laughs> Axel Rose from November Rain. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can see that too. Uh, so, you know, I just, um, you know, this might be like Engelbert Humperdinck beating Bob Dylan for Best New Artist. Like, I just wonder how this is going to play out in the long run. But, you know, I think Greta Van Fleet's going to, they're at least going to get another big second album out of this. I mean, you can't win rock album of the year and then just go back under a rock. Like they're here they're going to be here for a while. With some with yep. success like that. So, I don't know, we'll see. <laughs> um speaking of performances though, um we'll get back to talking about performances. There was some talk online about Cardi B's performance being controversial. Was it, though? It seemed pretty... I mean, I understand there's a sexual element to it, but is that really new? That that part seems pretty standard nowadays, right? Not just nowadays. Like, it's decades of... Exactly. Being it's like, have you heard of Madonna? <laughs> yeah. And there wasn't... Like, I didn't bat an eyelash at anything. I mean, mm-hmm. she wore normal kind of costumes and yeah, she wasn't, the lyrics it wasn't are what they've revealing. always been. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know who is complaining. Kind of normal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, you go back twenty five years to like uh, some Janet Jackson stuff. I mean, that's a long time ago. So how is this like raising an eyebrow? Who are who are the people who were complaining about it? That's what I, you know, or, or saying it's controversial. Like it just seems like, um, you know, phony pearl clutching. Yeah, I was about to say, maybe uh, clickbait headlines. Yeah. <laughs> then you read the article and there's no actual <laughs> critique of, of what's controversial. Right. Yeah. Or or any real substance to it. It just seems sort of there. Um, speaking of controversy and the Grammys, there was something that was uh, fairly talked about. I mean, I don't think it was trending in a real big way. On Twitter, but it was uh, that Jennifer Lopez was involved in the Motown tribute. Uh, some thought that it should have been an all-black lineup. The here's a lot about this to sort of unpack. So, what was interesting to me when when I was reading that is a People magazine article, and they're sharing like they have uh, they shared a tweet, and this is one of the things I hate about journalism now is that they share just random tweets, and there's not necessarily any credence to what's being presented in the tweet. It's just here are the people saying they liked it and here are people saying they didn't like it, but they're not across the board getting 
intellectual people talking about things. And so one tweet, uh, a person referred to it as, and this is what's in the People magazine or People.com article. I don't understand how you could hashtag whitewash, hashtag Motown tribute with at JLo. Uh, so we even added her. And my thing is, you know, there are a couple of things about that 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 come that jump out to me. Um, number one, is J-Lo whitewashing? I didn't realize that Jennifer Lopez yeah, was white. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Latina washing maybe, but... <laughs> right, right. Like, I didn't, I didn't I realize mean, Puerto Rican was... Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> And also, and this is, um, but even if she were white, I mean, what would be wrong with having a white person perform yeah. if it's a strong performer who can honor the, the songs? Right. I mean, it was and a great the, performance. Yeah. This might, might be some of her best singing I've ever seen from her. Right. And, um, I think she did a solid job. I think it's great that she wanted to honor. I mean, isn't it good when people of other races want to honor something that's so big in our history, like I get that it is black history month and, and everything. And I also understand wanting to put, you know, putting just us up there on the pedestal, on the pedestal um, or in the spotlight to sort of showcase us. But I feel like when people of other races want to honor something that's so big in, from our culture, the black culture, that's A, a good thing, and B, isn't that kind of what we want? Like, to have that impact on other people that are not just us? Mm-hmm. And doesn't that... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, doesn't that... Isn't that showcasing Black History Month to have, a, you know, for everyone to want to honor it? That's a good thing that Jennifer Lopez wanted to do that. If Sean yeah, Mendes wanted to do it, I'd still be like, hey, thanks. <laughs> the the only question I could see as being somewhat valid is that J-Lo was never a Motown performer. Yeah. Uh, and, and so there's the question of why someone who's not Motown right. performing. Right. And maybe that's where some of this backlash is coming from. The, the people tweeting or whatever aren't quite sophisticated enough to separate being mm-hmm. black versus having recorded for Motown. Right. But, you know, the, the race shouldn't come into it at all. Well, there's anything. Yeah. Well, this particular guy specifically said whitewashing. And again, People Magazine is putting this out there. And I went to the guy's account and he's got 18 followers. And that particular tweet, as of right now, has 12 likes. So why are we putting dumb thoughts out there? Like this, And this is Smokey Robinson's response to this supposed controversy. He said, I don't think anyone intelligent is upset. And he went on to say, who's stupid enough to protest Jennifer Lopez doing anything for Motown? Right. So, you know, my, that's... My biggest issue is big news outlets sharing unintellectual points from Twitter with just millions of people. Everybody can see this now because it's People magazine. Mm-hmm. And I understand mm-hmm. that there have always been people who said stuff 
dissenting voices and maybe there weren't that many of them. They always have existed and they just didn't have Twitter to put themselves out there in front of everybody. And it's, I think there's a good thing about that. But what I think is bad is when news outlets who I think should be pushing for intellectual thought and good discussion, which only involves someone who is understanding, someone who's sophisticated enough to make a good point, uh, I feel like that's what should be out there. I, I think that's what they should put in. You know, not. I don't disagree with this guy. I mean, I don't think what he said was unintellectual because I disagree. I think it's unintellectual because it's stupid, and he's not. He he's not putting a lot of thought into it, and that's right. a problem I have with these news outlets putting putting out unintellectual thoughts that people just didn't put much thought into put much time into to process it out there for everybody to see i think it's i think it dumbs us down i think the intellectual way to put it would have been to say hey i really appreciate that jennifer lopez cared enough about motown to want to be a part of this but why wasn't stevie wonder involved you know, why wasn't so-and-so involved? And why wasn't Stevie Wonder involved? <laughs> he was in Motown. Maybe he had some sort of falling out. That There's I don't... a Motown special that CBS is going to air in a couple of weeks, and mm. Stevie Wonder's in it, and Smokey Robinson's co-hosting. They they promoted it during the Grammys. The I get it. I know. Oh, but, right. But right. there's all this, all these Motown people who are going to be mm-hmm. doing a full one-hour 60th anniversary of Motown special. That's very similar to the Beatles uh, special that they did a few years ago where they had a few uh, people perform a song on the Grammys, a Beatles song on the Grammys, but then a couple weeks later they had the Beatles special. Um, right. So it's just like that. Which it's was actually like shot that. the night of the Grammys. Yes. <laughs> it was actually shot when, when everyone was still there. <laughs> right. It just aired it two weeks later. I see, I see. <laughs> so that's why. So what they what they did with J-Lo is they took this megastar and put her, they got her involved so that they can promote this other thing. You know, if people took time to think about that, I mean, it's like that phrase, you know, I love of George Clooney's take 15 minutes in a thought process and you don't write that tweet. I just am so annoyed with the way <laughs> I can talk about it all day and I shouldn't, but it just annoys me when these reputable publications share time and time again dumb tweets from people who don't have a following and it's again there's a good thing about someone who doesn't have a following getting their thoughts and their feelings out there there's a good thing about that but the bad thing is they are indiscriminate about who they're going to give a voice to it's just here's someone who said something it's got a lot of shade it's real it's it's biting but it's not biting because it's a good point. It's biting because they just said something mean-spirited. Mm-hmm. And by putting it in People magazine, it sounds like a lot of people have that belief when really right. it's this one dude when with it, 12 yeah. likes yeah. on that tweet. Absolutely. And then it also gives it some sort of credence that it doesn't need to have um, because it's not a good thought. Now, if it's somebody who has 18 followers... And then 100,000 people like it and 50,000 people retweet it. That says something. That this person happened to say something that caught fire with a lot of people. So, so 
you know, that is representative of how a large portion of people who are talking about a subject uh, feel. And that's a good reason to retweet it. But if they have 18 followers and 12 likes, it's probably because no one really agrees with anything they have to say. And all the comments that they shared were just like, oh, that's not really a good point. <laughs> uh, all right, moving on from, uh, from the Grammys, uh, we're going to talk a little. We're going to get real nerdy here. We're going to talk about the uh, Arrowverse, also called the Flareoverse, um, television, DC's television shows that are on the CW. Now, I think first, so Trey and I both love these shows. And these, just for those who don't know, it's Supergirl, The Arrow, which is about Green Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow. We also watch Black Lightning, which isn't quite in the same uh universe as those other four shows but those first first four shows are all in the same universe uh they don't have anything to do with and retroactively mm -hmm. retroactively constantine's part of that universe yes right Co constantine was on several years ago on nbc it was only on for a season before it got canceled but now uh that character constantine has been on legends of tomorrow's on uh this season and they brought him in previously on uh arrow and some other and, and i think another episode of uh Legends of Tomorrow before he became a regular cast member. And um, the big news coming out of that is about a character or an actor who's on The Flash. Um, and I should also mention that I get that a lot of people don't look at CW shows with a lot of... Uh, they don't give it a lot of credit, which I think is a little unfair because these shows, especially The Flash, are pretty well put together and well acted. Mm-hmm. It's hard to even single out one this past season because Legends of Tomorrow has been so on fire. And uh, Stephen Amell mm -hmm. really brings it as Oliver Queen slash Green Arrow. But uh, we are going to talk about The Flash right now. Uh, the actor who plays Cisco, Carlos Valdez, I believe that's the correct pronunciation, but I don't have a good accent. <laughs> um, he has said that he is uh, going to be leaving as a regular cast member. Um, and he's quoted as saying he wants to move on to new pastures. So he doesn't say greener pastures. He says new pastures. Um, mm -hmm. he, plan he plans to leave the show once this season finishes its run, but they are going to do... Uh, it sounds like they are probably going to like leave the door open for him to be able to come back around. This is huge news. Yeah, and we should note, while he has made the statement about new pastures, the actual idea that he's leaving seems to still be rumor territory. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's not what's going to happen. But, but it would be based on the makeup of the show. Uh, it would be definitely huge because he's a big part of all of the science and Star Lab stuff. So yeah. it would be interesting to see what that means for for the show if he's not there. Right. I mean, it, I, think, I think the positive of it is that Barry Allen in his own right is supposed to be this brilliant scientist and uh, in, in addition to the CSI part mm -hmm. of his character and it's taken a little bit of a back door to see how great of a scientist he is because they've had to also show that Cisco is that great. Right. And so maybe we'll see more of that from Barry if Cisco's not there. Yeah. 
Um, because, I mean, they've already acknowledged that he created Gideon, right? But yep. in the future. It's a, a future Barry right. Allen. <laughs> Not a few, you know, just in the future, Barry Allen creates Gideon. And uh, we haven't seen that from him yet. It seems like that's something that Cisco would have would have done. Um, but, you know, Cisco's also such a big, he's, what, like the third lead on that show, would you say? Or was he more like fourth or maybe fifth? I mean, obviously, Barry's the first lead. Iris is the second lead. And, yeah, it does depend on the season. In some cases, maybe you could see Tom Cavanaugh, like, first season is the third lead. Uh, Maybe even um, Joe is, you know, a a third lead Mm -hmm. in some respects. Jesse L. Martin. Yeah. Um, But, uh, so, yeah, like, maybe he's not quite the third lead. Um, But he is... Cisco is such a significant. He, he names all the bad guys. He he creates all this tech that the team uses. So it's a pretty big loss for the show uh, if he is in fact leaving. But I also wonder when he says new pastors what he means because the the actor side of me, uh, like you know, person who wants to be a working actor, that part of me is saying gosh, man, you know, like, keep this regular check. Yeah, that's where it's, at least with um, Jeremy Jordan, when he left Supergirl as a regular, we mm-hmm. knew it was to go beyond Broadway. Like, we knew right. the actual thing he was leaving for. Uh, there doesn't seem to be a hint of that with Carlos Valdez. So maybe there's another project or two he's already got in mind, or... Maybe the only chance to ever be a lead is if he leaves this show, or mm-hmm. you know, I don't, I don't know what his thought process is. But if it's if there's a bird in hand, I get it. If it's, I hope there's going to be a bird <laughs> down the road, then I get it less. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm I. There are a couple of schools of thoughts, uh, of thought in my mind when it comes to an actor leaving a regular, their, their regular show, their regular paycheck show. Mm-hmm. And one is for artistic reasons, uh, which might be if uh, you're getting typecast in a role and it's hurting your chances of getting other wor- other roles, or if the quality of the, sh- of the show has gone way down. Uh, and then the other school of thought is like, for business reasons, which can sometimes not be a good idea. It's not necessarily the same integrity to that uh, in all cases. There's some cases where there's plenty of integrity to it, but, you know, in some cases it just seems like they're chasing money. Now, we don't know what he's going for here, so we can't say that he's just chasing money or something like that. But I worry that it's too much of a risk because I looked at his IMDb and he doesn't have upcoming projects. And all of his on-screen credits have, in some way, shape, or form, have to do with Flash, or, or at least the Arrowverse. Because even the two shorts that he has done, one short was Tom and Grant, which was a short that Tom Cavanaugh, other cast member <laughs> of The Flash, directed and put together with Grant Gustin, who plays The Flash. So, like, he's involved with that because he was on The Flash. And then another one he's in with Melissa Benoist, which was directed and written by Chris Wood, which he also would not know. (laughs) He wouldn't have been in that, you know? So like all of his credits come from being with the flash and maybe he just feels like, I don't want to 
only be known as this guy. I wanted an opportunity, like you said, to be a lead. But again, you have to have a burden hand. It seems like, like uh, I just don't know. I, it, I just. Well, we worry. should also note he's he's got a musical background, mm-hmm. like many of the cast of these shows. So mm-hmm. he, you know, who knows if there's a Broadway or an off Broadway right. thing in mind. And right. they also shoot in Vancouver, right. and I presume he lives in L.A. Yeah. So there could be some aspect about you know maybe not wanting to be away from home for so long of the year. Yeah. Um, all there are all those points. things that play into it that we, that we don't know anything about. Right. But I think what would be really nice, they obviously the Fleroverse has included animated shows. They had Vixen for two seasons, and they did an animated Constantine once he became part of it. I wouldn't be surprised if they do like an animated vibe or mm-hmm. something like that to kind of keep them in the fold. And, and even if things don't work out, kind of like Keenan Lonsdale, the door's still open. Like, uh, Keenan Lonsdale can come back either to Flash or Legends. Yeah, he plays Wally, Wally West, West, for those who don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's so that, really, you know, that, that would be cool. It sounds good. like they're going to keep that open, yeah. Yeah, it would be cool if he got uh, this a, a few special, uh, maybe animated series things, uh, like you were mentioning with mm-hmm. Vibe, uh, which is his superhero character name, for those who don't know. We've been saying Cisco. But... It just it just depends. Like it's all like case by case. Like, you know, both George Clooney and oh, what's his name who's on NYPD Blue and then CSI Miami. David Caruso. David Caruso. Uh both of them left their big shows, their regular paychecks, a bit earlier than people maybe would have thought, especially in David Caruso's case. But under very different circumstances. Uh David Caruso was breaking his contract and chasing uh movie stardom. And George Clooney, you know, this is interesting. And this is kind of where I go back to, like, just the safety of of keeping your regular paycheck. So George Clooney left ER after five seasons, which he publicly said, I'm not going to do a David Caruso and break my contract. Like, he publicly said that. Um, He did say that he felt that the writing was not what it used to be on that show, and he feels that it's going to go into an area that the show never was. So there was some artistic reason for for doing it, but also, like, he (laughs) he had a lot of birds in hand because he had such a big opportunity to just do movies. Um, He had done five or six movies by the time he left ER. He had already done... um, the 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 vampire movie from Dust Till Dawn, he had already done Out of Sight, he had already done Batman and Robin, he had already done um, One Fine Day, and Peacemaker. He had done he did all of those movies while he was a regular cast member on ER, and he even said publicly that when he because he didn't didn't like the experience of uh, Batman and Robin uh, filming it or the aftermath. He said he went to his business manager and said, how am I doing? And the business manager said, uh, you can live the rest of your life comfortably. Um, and so that was when he left ER. <laughs> you know, like he didn't, he didn't do it before he had any movie roles. He did it after he had many movie roles. And then like the like uh, Three Kings movie came out the season... Uh, six during like right at the beginning of season six for ER, which which is right after he mm-hmm. left. So, to me, I just feel like that's 
you can't expect to have like all the movies that he had, especially uh, movies that were big like he had before leaving. But gosh, if I just I just feel like there's security in staying with the show. I mean, that show is doing the best numbers wise. Like it's not going to get canceled soon. Just stick with it. But, you know, you'd have to know a lot more about what his thought process is. Yeah, plus you have to consider most folks, no matter what industry they're in, they don't, these days, we don't stick around in one job that long. No. You know, five years is a long time to be yeah. in one place, even if you love it. Yeah. So sometimes you need to kind of move on to spread your wings. But I, I suspect, even if this rumor is true, he's going to be part of Crisis on Infinite Earth next year. Yeah. I can't imagine he would skip out on that. Yeah, I just don't know, you know, and I don't know, uh, I don't think he would skip out on that either, but I also just don't know what they're going to do. His voice is so unique to him on that show that, like, how are they going to fulfill that on there? But they've done... To the point, his voice is so specific to the point that even on Arrow, they'll reference, well, I'm not Cisco, but... (laughs) Exactly, and they've done that more than once. Um, on the other shows like that's that's you know it's a big loss a big blow well moving on from the Arrowverse but not from comic book stuff uh, we're we'll uh, talk about briefly here Shazam um, there were rumors that Henry Cavill had shot a Superman cameo for Shazam and there was like a lot of mystery around whether or not that was true but ScreenRant.com is reporting that it does exist. It's just whether or not it's actually going to see the light of day. There's apparently some contract negotiations that are underway with Cavill and the DCEU that don't sound great publicly because, you know, there's one report that he's not involved. And then his people came back and said, no, no, he's still involved. And then there is a report of, well, he's asking, he's demanding all of this stuff. Script approval and director approval and a producer credit. And then his people said, no, that's not true at all either. So we have no idea what's really going on. And it's not even definite that he did, in fact, shoot this cameo. But my question is, if they did, what would it really mean for your excitement to see Shazam? You know, that's the interesting thing. I think because of how the DCEU has been put together Mm -hmm. and pulled apart, Mm-hmm. and then tried to be cobbled back together. It's it's this thing where it's not the same level of excitement as as even when, like, Tony Stark showed up at the end of The Incredible Hulk. Like, that was exciting. Yeah. Because you're seeing the universe build. And same thing, even in Thor The Dark World, which was an okay movie. It's not the best of the Marvel movies, but mm-hmm. Loki pretends, you know, he, he uses his magic to look like Captain America. Like, that's not a true cameo, but it was still fun. Yeah. And all those little things helped to make it a a real universe. And I think what happened with the DCEU is they messed up in their universe building so much that it's hard to know whether I would care that much about Superman being in it or not. Yeah. Uh, So I... I don't know. I mean, obviously, from what we've read and, and some stuff that's been in uh, some of the trailers, we know that Shazam is directly referencing events of Batman versus Superman and uh, Justice League. Mm-hmm. So it is part of that universe. So it would be nice 
to have some kind of real connective tissue there. But, you know, will it really make me that much more excited mm-hmm. to see Superman? I don't know. Yeah, and I'm okay with Cavill as Superman. I think he he delivers, uh, I think the way it, the character's been written is where I have the bigger problem. Um, and so I wouldn't necessarily have a problem with him being in it, but it's just a matter of like, well, which version of Superman are we going to get? Are we going to get the not fun version from Man of Steel, the overly brooding version from uh, Batman versus Superman, or the like fun version, the one that we all like, the the one that seems like the quintessential version of Superman that we got at the end of Justice League. Like, Hopefully it would be the third, but who knows? And also another weird thing about it is apparently the cameo is in voice only. So it's even more like if that's true, that's way boring. <laughs> like how in the world could just his voice be particularly exciting as a cameo? Depends on how it's done. If it's like this surprise to even Billy Batson or Shazam that suddenly Superman showed up and you're looking at the facial expression of you know, either whether it's Billy Batson or whether he's in a Shazam persona, mm-hmm. like that's the thing that they're lingering on. I could see how that could still be exciting because it's like, oh my God, I'm, I'm meeting my hero. Yeah. Sort of thing. And that's true. And they're also saying that it's more in, and this is like a report from test screenings. That's where Screen Rant got this. Apparently, um, it's not just that it's his voice only, it's just that his face isn't visible. Uh, so he could be on screen, and then we just see, you know, it could, who knows? Like, they could do something really funny. Like, over his shoulder sort of thing. Yeah, and the, all we see Looking is just, him. like, Billy, like, you know, dropping his icy or something like that. I don't know, you know, like, mm-hmm. I tell you, though, the, the trailer does look like it's a fun movie. The trailer makes it look like mm-hmm. it's a fun movie. Uh, so I, I do I'll tell you, one of the things that really sold it for me was seeing Zachary Levi flossing as Shazam. <laughs> like he, he really was getting that childlike energy. Right. Yeah. And, and as right as, um, from what we can tell, it looks like he got that as right as Tom Hanks got and big. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to this and I'm not like cautiously looking forward to it because I feel like it's enough out of the DCEU that it's, not going to be too it's not going to mess up anything you know or or also it's like shazam it's not like it's my favorite superhero or anything (laughs) um but neither thor wasn't either but but when it was done right he became a fan favorite yeah yeah i mean a personal he's still probably i probably could still name like uh, several before I would get to Thor, but because I, I really did not like Thor as a kid. Uh, growing up, I just thought Thor was the corniest, so I ne- I never paid any attention to him. I liked Aquaman more than I liked Thor. You know, like that's how much I did not care about about Thor. But his entrance in Infinity War at Wakanda is dope, mm-hmm. and one of my favorite things from all of the MCU movies was uh, was that mm-hmm. moment. Like if I had to write a top ten. That would be up there. Mm-hmm. Great moment. Well, that's enough of comic book stuff and Shazam. Uh, we'll see how things pan out the rest of the year. A lot of uh, movies coming out. Um, I'm excited to see how everything unfolds. I want to see Marvel, uh, Captain Marvel, 
I really want to see the new Spider-Man movie, and obviously I want to see Endgame. I haven't seen Aquaman yet, but I'm definitely going to see those, and I, I think I'm definitely going to see Shazam. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm more looking forward to Shazam than Aquaman, even. I still haven't mm-hmm. seen it, despite all of the reviews. I just haven't been sold on the on the trailers the same way I have with Shazam. Right, right. Same. Same for me. Well, moving on, uh, and this will be, I guess, the last uh, big topic, unless we decide to throw something else in there at the end. Uh, SNL. We're both big SNL nerds. We've been watching them since we were single-digit age <laughs> um, pretty regularly. Uh, Halsey just hosted and was a musical performer. Uh, I was surprised at how strong she was. Yeah, and and when I saw she was gonna host, I wondered why. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Not because of anything negative, but like when Justin Timberlake hosted, Christina Aguilera, Bruno Mars, Britney Spears, you can keep naming the musical artists. I got it. I understood it. Mm-hmm. I knew why they were hosting. Uh, uh, yeah. But with Halsey, even though she has, she proved, as you said, that she has the ability when she hosted, I didn't know going into it why they tapped her on the shoulder. Yeah, I don't, I wonder, I really want to know, like, what tipped them off that she would be good, because, um, you know, and I, I know some people might think, like, oh, Justin Timberlake, but Justin Timberlake and Britney and Christina Aguilera were Mouseketeers, so they were used mm-hmm. to doing sketches. Yeah, they were kid sketches, but they were kids when they were doing sketches, like, that, that to me made it pretty, you know, I, 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 at the time when just when I heard Justin Timberlake was hosting uh, for that first time, I don't remember being super excited because I I wasn't I didn't pay any attention to him or in sync. But I I also didn't think oh that's stupid he would be terrible because I knew he wasn't gonna be Johnny Mosley, um, who was my go to. This is a terrible episode of SNL like or a terrible host of SNL. It's because he had nothing to bring. He did one voice in every every sketch. Um, one put-on voice he had. <laughs> but, you know, at least with those people that had uh, Mouseketeers. Uh, Bruno Mars, I liked um, already when I heard he was going to host. I was a little surprised because I didn't know that he would have had... I, I had a similar experience to him that I had with Halsey of like, huh, I wonder what made them think... He would. And then I saw the commercial he did, um, which was a super funny commercial where he said, like, I'm the musical guest and then like, or I'm the host. And then the musical guest, him as a musical guest comes in the back and tries to throw shade. And then he had some line like, you just worry about being the musical guest or whatever. You know, like he it was just like adversarial. And he really delivered the humor of that very well. And I thought, well, he's going to be good. And he was great. And uh, I just didn't know with her. I was just like, I haven't seen enough of her to think that she'd be able to deliver to comedy. But she was so solid. Like, she was in it. She was not swallowed up. She did taped bits. She did live bits. And she, she seemed like a regular cast member. I'm not saying she's like, someone who could do what Kristen Wiig or Maya Rudolph or somebody did. But I just mean, she felt like a part of the team. Whereas a lot of times 
especially the weaker hosts, don't necessarily feel like a part of the team. They it feels like, oh, it's so and so on SNL, whereas she seemed like any of the others. You know, like she wore the wigs well. Like she had a good face for the wigs. She she matched the uh, essence of the role she was playing really well. She was she should host again. Yeah, the one thing I would say, and this is not on her, is more the makeup of the sketches. They didn't necessarily give her much to be able to showcase how how far she could go. Mm-hmm. But she was definitely, she committed to every role, even if it was just the straight man role or, or just the foil or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that often is the most important thing. Like you, you hear how they talk about Dan Aykroyd and Phil Hartman being able to be that glue. Yeah, uh, and how important that is, even if that's not the thing that you remember or take away from the sketch. Mm-hmm. So she fulfilled that very well. Yeah, uh, but it wasn't the, the same kind of showcase that you know a lot of hosts get to to for you to remember. Oh yeah, this sketch was great because right, right. That's fair. Um, yeah, and I I feel like, and this is just the thing I was going to say about SNL and all. They've had fine hosts this season to good hosts. Um, and they've had a lot of funny moments, I think, this season and, and, and good things going on. But um, there's something, there seems to be something missing right now for me. There have been hosts that I've liked and episodes that I've liked, but I, don't, I can't quite put my finger on what seems to not be there quite, quite enough. And I, I don't know, maybe it's, it's just not, like... There, there hasn't quite been that every sketch or nearly every mm-hmm. sketch is is great and you'll remember it like you know if i go back like i look at the list of hosts and i'm like okay i remember that these people hosted this year mm-hmm. yeah and i like <laughs> i remember kind of like i would have to actually yeah but i would have to look at the list of sketches that appeared in each of these episodes to really remember oh yeah i like that one like it's not memorable in the way that i i can just off the top of my head rattle them off this year right unlike in previous years. Right. I don't think it's been a bad season though. You know, it's, or, you know, I I don't know. It's just, uh, I think that is right though. It it hasn't had that like special episode, you know, some, a lot of times the Christmas episode is such a special episode, whereas this year it was all right. Um, They didn't even go on the ice. Right. You're right. (laughs) You know, like every, every so often you have like this special episode. And I think, um, the first episode in the show's history like that was the Richard Pryor one, um, where just something else was happening, and you can't, you can't really make that. Ha- you can't manufacture that. It just is. You just got to do the show like you always do it, and then that just happens or it doesn't. Um, mm-hmm. And that's that's one of the and things. One of the more recent ones. One of the more recent ones that captured it like that was Dave Chappelle hosting right after the election. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and I think um, Jimmy Fallon's Christmas episode is one that I, I put in that category as well. Uh, but like even last year, I felt sort of similar to this. Like there were, like obviously, like like Tina Fey went on. I, she's great. But that episode, I don't. It it didn't have. It wasn't her best hosting episode. Uh, and that's what this season has just kind of felt like. Like this is good. I'm surprised Seth Meyers wasn't. Like he was solid, but you know mm-hmm. he he actually acted mm-hmm. on that show before he became the Weekend Update 
mm-hmm. guy and the and the, the co-head or the head writer, not mm-hmm. co-head. So he has sketch experience, but it seemed like he had he was more of the weekend update guy being in sketches rather than a repertory player a little bit, both in the writing for the sketches as well as his acting in them. I mean, it was still a good episode. Just so I really like that episode and it that. does have one of the, it is one of the lower rated episodes of the season. If you go by IMDb, but I really like that episode, but um, I see what you mean. A lot of times the host, everything is sort of matched around their persona or brand or type or style which when you're a cast member you can break free from that um and i think uh he's been the weekend update type for so long that i think that that's just what happened with his episode because yeah, even that bill cosby sketch that got a lot of people angry <laughs> but i thought it was hilarious <laughs> me too i'm it laughing was, to it was that. more yeah it was more just it was kind of like how Seth Meyers at the Weekend Update desk would react to this ridiculous guest coming on. He mm-hmm. he wasn't really doing much. Yeah, but the yeah. sketch was hilarious. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. Um, I love that sketch. And then I recently heard, and it was from like a gossip rag, so it's probably not true. But a couple of weeks ago, I saw some headline or some article that was saying that Bill Cosby has been in real life. Uh, like seeing other prisoners and treating them like patients, like he's a doctor and someone like referred to it as <laughs> him reliving his, his Heathcliff Huxtable years. And I was like, this is the sketch. This is the <laughs> SNL sketch. Like, oh man. This is what comedy should be. <laughs> You'd say like, here's something absurd. And then it really happens like that. And like mm-hmm. people, I understand get offended, but this is what comedy is. <laughs> it's like, yes, that would be ridiculous to happen. That's why it's funny. Well, that's what makes Seth Meyers opening monologue from that SNL so funny, because mm-hmm. I always assumed that that sketch that he referenced in his opening monologue where Kanye kept going up, interrupting people when they won <laughs> awards. Yeah. I always assumed that that happened after the Taylor Swift thing, but it was two years before. Yeah, yeah, it's insane, insane. And that's but that's good comedy when somebody can say like he seems like the kind of dude who would do this, and then be so accurate that he and said, "I do do that." Yeah, yeah, that's some good stuff. Well, we've reached the end of the episode, and uh, this being a unique episode, I don't know if it makes sense to create something like. We do. The idea was sort of to, um, Trey and I have been talking about a place where there are discussions like this uh, about just pop culture, just about entertainment, you know, kind of the way uh, ESPN has shows that are just talking about uh, the nitty gritty of sports. Um, And this was sort of a test run of that idea. And I like it. I don't know if it'll happen again. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how I to like make it, it more, but yeah, I, I like the idea of it. We talk, you break down the stuff. This was similar to an old radio show I did uh, back in the day. Well, Trey, thanks for being here. Really appreciate having you on. Well, thank you, and I'll be expecting some donuts or money in the mail. <laughs> Neither will happen. <laughs> well, there you have it. A couple of nerds talking pop. 
<laughs> I enjoyed that. I hope you did as well. If we do it again, uh, then uh, I'm, I'm sure it's going to have some different elements to it. It's kind of maybe a backdoor pilot to uh, another podcast. I'm just, I have some podcast ideas that I want to try out. So we'll see what happens in the future. Speaking of the future, we have some fun episodes coming up. I think I mentioned before that I have some yeses from some really great people. It's all just scheduling now at this point. Interviewing somebody this weekend and uh, next weekend, a couple of really great ones that are coming. So I'm, I'm very excited to get those in the can and get them out to you. If you want to follow us online, you can at there it is pod on both twitter and facebook follow me on twitter at jason far jokes and on instagram at jason far picks and uh hit us up you know like uh, tell us what you want us to talk about or want us to cover or who you want us to interview online just uh mention that to us on social media well that's it for us today until next time be good to each other the music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr. 